Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The pursuit of food has taken us into the wilderness, across rivers, and atop mountains. These journeys have connected us to the wild. It is this connection that allows us to experience the wild places this world has to offer and search for both wild game and adventure. This is my adventure for food. My name is Brad Luttrell. I grew up in southeastern Kentucky. Today, I usually get introduced as the co-founder of Go Wild. It's a free social community that helps outdoor enthusiasts improve their skills, find better gear, and earn rewards. For a living today, I, I get to help people learn about how to hunt and fish and they get to do it better, share their own stories. Today though, I'm proud to get to share a throwback story of mine. Another title I'm very proud of, in addition to founder, is Appalachian. I grew up in the heart of the mountains, right in the Cumberland Gap, and it has shaped who I am. Part of this shaping was that I grew up fishing. And despite the landscape, those experiences were probably not that different than most of the other kids in the United States who get to do that. My dad and I would load up into his 1988 Ford Ranger. We'd put the poles, a tackle box, and some lunch into the back, and we'd head off to one of the nearby lakes. And we had a few options. The truck was a four-cylinder, and I honestly think it had barely more horsepower than like today's zero-turn lawnmowers. You know, <laughs> it was not the trucks of today. Dad would uh, put a tape of like CCR or Huey Lewis in the news. We'd put that in, that cassette in, and we'd be off. We primarily bank fished. And back then, if you had a bass boat, you know, I, I thought you were probably rich. But I never lusted for those boats because it was, this was the making of some of my favorite childhood memories. We'd mostly catch bluegill. We never kept anything. So the idea of fishing for food never really hit me until later in life when I started doing some trout fishing. But my formative experience with fishing was with a simple old Zebco 33, classic, reliable, you know, easy even for a seven-year-old. As I got older, 
I started to hang out with a friend whose dad was a big time outdoorsman. He was always coming back from out west with something I had never eaten before. You know, elk or moose or pronghorn or bear or whatever it was. Hanging out at his house really opened me up to a new world of food. And one day they busted out some lobsters from the freezer. And I don't know that I had ever even seen a lobster tail. Okay. It looked like a big crawdad tail when he pulled it out. But when he cooked it on the grill, it turned into the, this, these beautiful reds and the meat turned into a spongy white. And I, I still remember seeing that melted butter sit in between the meat and the shell. And after one taste, my first taste of lobster, I was hooked. Lobster at the time was my new favorite food. So when I got the invite to go with their family to Florida for the lobster opener in the Keys, I was in. We loaded up a boat. We drove 16 hours to the Keys, pulling, pulling this boat behind. We went through Atlanta in rush hour traffic with a boat. We stopped in Yeehaw Junction to pick up a, some of the family friends, a guy and his son. And from there, uh, we stayed in this tiny hole in the wall hotel in the Keys. All of this type of fishing we were getting ready to do was new to me. The way we did it was trolling. So I had no clue what they even meant when they told me this. Essentially, in case you don't know, you, you have a few divers hang on to a rope, you know, kind of think of the rope you would use like jet, uh, if you were, if you were water skiing or something, you're trolling behind the boat, you have a spotter sitting on the back and then someone takes the boat semi systematically across this possible, uh, area of marked spots, but there's, there's moving water, right? So there's some challenges to this, but you know, we were casual about it. It was super fun. I went first with my friend. I'm, I'm first in the water. We've got two divers out. I had no clue what I was doing or what I was even looking for. And he, he tells me, he says, you'll see their antenna sticking up. And, and when you do, just let go. Kind of mark the spot with your eyes and I'll come to you. So the spotter, when you would drop, they, they throw out the dive flag. The boat circles back. And, and while you kind of start making your move to get this lobster. Well, we, we went for a while without finding anything. Most of the water was fairly shallow, but in this particular spot where we finally did stop and uh, the first stop of the day or the trip, you know, we were in maybe like 12 or 15 feet of water and my friend wanted me to get the first one. So he's telling me how to do it, how to use my gloves, where to grab it and make sure I have it secured. And I get all of this real time instructional and it's now time for me to get my first lobster and I'm pumped. You know, this is what we've driven all this way to do. Uh, after a full day of driving yesterday, all this time on the water, I'm getting ready to get my first lobster. So I get all hyped up and I, I start to dive and I can't, and I keep trying to swim down and I'm becoming convinced. I don't really know how to use these flippers because I can't go down. I'm kicking, but I'm not progressing at all. And as I, I I'm sitting there kicking and not making any progress, I reach out in hopes that, you know, maybe my arm is long enough to reach this thing. And as I'm reaching out for this lobster, I kid you not, a six foot long shark swims by and scoops up this very lobster I was going for. My friend had seen the shark coming and he grabbed the, one of the fins on my feet and pulled me back to avoid this confrontation. <laughs> now, obviously this wouldn't have been, you know, this isn't jaws happening here. It was a six foot shark. We're not talking about some ginormous thing, but it was exciting, right? Now, this wasn't our last interaction with sharks even of that trip. As I went on to learn, this is common, right? You know, again, I'm a Kentucky boy hitting, doing this kind of fishing for the first time. You know, uh, I think I was 20 years old, never done anything like this before. And 
what I learned was normally you're having a lot of interactions with small nurse sharks. They're harmless, right? And and what became my biggest fear was not the sharks. It was the eels. You know, you start hearing these stories of uh, as a new diver, and, and you're hearing stories about these eels and how they're, they're actually really dangerous because they can bite and latch on and hang on. And, you know, they have these incredibly powerful jaws, these teeth that actually push your hand back further into their mouths. They even have like a second set of jaws or something. And, you know, it, it, it's gnarly, right? So you kind of start to get really alert and you start, you know, the, the whole premise of lobstering in, in the Keys is pulling something out of a hole. So you're spending a whole lot of time shoving your arm into places that, and you're kind of wondering what else is around. So all this, this is kind of building up to this one moment. We were diving in, in deeper water yet again, looking for lobsters, and I heard like screaming. And I, I hear it, I'm underwater myself. And I come up and I see now my friend is swimming so fast and so panicked. He he's basically like kicking himself so fast that his body looks like a bass boat cutting water. And by that I mean the water is breaking below his nipples. <laughs> just above his belly button but below his nipples he's arms out kicking so hard and fast that he's he's like coming out of the water and he's screaming eel now i'll never know how much this was truly dangerous or or really even true but there was true terror on my friend's face as all this is going down because i i've come to learn though that eels they usually prefer to flee than get defensive but you know if they do feel um you know attacked or they feel like you're coming after their food they can you know get semi-defensive but he said he was going for this lobster and he said it was the biggest one he had seen you know and he, he's going for this thing when this huge eel head appears and he's like okay kind of thinking through like what i said you know they're not super aggressive um but as he got closer to this lobster the eel did get that protective look of like no that's my lobster and it started uh, coming out a little more, my friend starts to swim backwards. When the monster eel kept coming out of the rock and coming out and coming out, and it's becoming more and more apparent that this thing is way bigger than he thought. And it seemed like he said it was nearly as tall as he was. <laughs> so that's a big eel. I think they get to like five feet. So I, I don't know that this was five feet long or what, because again, everything, you know, when you're scared, uh, a, a black Labrador can seem like a bear in the woods. This is kind of that scenario. I think he saw something. I don't know if it was as big as, as he thought it was. I have also had experiences where you like come nose to nose with a shark when you're diving and you think they look huge because they're up close and then you kind of swim back and it's like, oh, that's like a three foot shark, right? You have those moments of, of initial terror that kind of like immediately dissipate. Well, this never dissipated. And regardless of how often they attack, I, I agree this would be a terrifying sight if you're up close. So we ended up being fine on this particular counter, but it's, it's especially, I can't even really, like I'm laughing thinking about uh, my, my friend Alex kind of swimming this fast out of the water to absolutely terrified for his life. And Alex, if you ever hear this, sorry I'm making fun of you and publicly shaming you. Um, I'll, I'll never forget my lo best lobster from this trip though. I wanted to share this part of the story. Um, it was super fun. I was free diving, as you do, and before I could grab this lobster, it actually came out and started swimming away from me so which was kind of unusual you know i haven't done this a ton but you know in my week of doing it there I hadn't had that ha happen a whole lot but this thing was huge and i have a picture of it i mean it, it was like forearm length long you know it was, a, it was the biggest one we caught the whole trip uh, everybody's kind of nicknaming it all these crazy names like the mac daddy the big daddy and all that stuff 
but after seeing how big this thing was, I was not going to let it get away. And I swam for what felt like, like I, I had this like surge of adrenaline. And I swam for what felt like a football field of length after this thing. And I don't know if lobsters aren't built for stamina or if I was just high on all this adrenaline after seeing it, but I did catch it. And when I surfaced to the water, I was a long swim away from the boat. I'd swam a long ways chasing this thing. And I mean, it felt like minutes under the water. Who knows? I mean, it, it probably was minutes. I probably had like this two minute run after this, this lobster, but I'm hoisting my catch in the air. And that night we cooked up all of our catches. This is one of our better days. Right. And along with some steaks we had and some uh, fish, I think somebody had speared, we had a couple fish and you know, this was the most rewarding surf and turf I've ever had, obviously. Uh, but I, I, it's, it was one of the most proud moments I've had, um, in, in all of my time in hunting and fishing, uh, you know, I, I, I really was proud of these fish and this lobster that we had gone out and earned all day. Like we had worked hard and honestly it was hard going, you know, we didn't, we didn't bring back boatloads of lobsters. This was, it, we ended up having a hard trip and I don't think we even had sides. And if, if we did, I don't know what that I ate any because I loaded up on the day's catch and you know, I didn't grow up eating my catch, but this was, it was this trip that taught me the joy of it. And I, I, you know, I've done my share of traveling now and I still look back on that trip and the bonding uh, that happened on the boat and bringing in, uh, you know, close to a limit of lobster that one day, that one really good day that we had. And this is one of the most fun times I've still ever had on a boat. It's one of the most fun outdoor trips I've, I've gotten to do. As many things as I've gone on to get to do, whether it was Alaska or Texas or Missouri or whatever it is, you know, um, this still stands, stands out to me because there's something about those first moments of getting to do something new. And, and you're, you're, you're kind of bonded to that moment. It's, it's special. It stands out in a way that maybe follow-up trips can't, right? So food and fishing to me just brings people together. It's a sense of purpose and place that you can't achieve doing anything else. And in, in a world that, you know, I mean, today in a world that, um, you know, people are arguing over remote work, you know, how, how to work from home and how to be more virtual. I hope we don't lose this sense of accomplishment in providing the day's protein through, through hard work and through sweat. All right. That's my story. I want to thank harvesting nature the whole team there for letting me share my story. If you want to connect and find me on Go Wild, where thousands of people are sharing stories like these, you know, everyday stories that are um, very much like the ones that you experience and, and learning together and sharing the gear we're all using, I encourage you to join Go Wild with me. Visit downloadgowild.com to join me and the whole crew at Harvesting Nature on the Go Wild platform. Thanks for listening. Tight lines. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. 
brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern, presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.